0: Welcome to The Sorry-Eyed Effect, I'm Steph.
1: And I'm Jen. On this podcast, we'll be chatting about all things Williams Syndrome,
0: the ups and downs, and what it's like living with Williams Syndrome.
1: We're excited to share our community with you. Thanks for being here. Brendan, I am so excited that you're joining us today on the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really cool. It's a very full circle thing for me because you know, being the first guest now, being able to host a few episodes has been really cool.
1: Were you on standby? Were you just waiting for a call, waiting to fill in?
0: No. Um, you know, I've been really busy with the upcoming gigs coming up and It was just really nice to be able to have Joel ask me again, you know.
1: Yeah, it's been fun. It's been such a journey already in a short amount of time. And like what we hear from the listeners is that they want you on here, right? They want you. They want Steph. They want other people with Williams Syndrome. They want want to hear your stories. They want to hear you interact with guests. So it's good to have, have a voice here at the table. So welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having
1: me. Our first guest is one of my very good friends, um, her name is Melanie Cote and she is out of Toronto, Canada. Um, in addition to being a mom to a 10 year old with Williams syndrome named Alma, uh, she is a world shaker, a vision changer a ruckus maker. And that is an inside joke that she will um, surely appreciate when she listens to this. So I enjoyed this conversation we had about Williams syndrome and do good donuts.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a great, great conversation for sure. actually went and looked up stupid donuts and look at what they do and all that kind of stuff. It was really impressive.
1: Oh, that's cool. She will appreciate that.
0: Our next guest was uh, Morgan Jane Starkman and her mother, Joanne. They are from California and... They have a company called Innersense Organic Beauty, and it was a really fun episode, and it brought a lot of energy and a lot of positive vibes, for sure.
1: Yeah, they were real cute. They gave me something to aspire to in my relationship with Stella. Um, we didn't ask them about your hair care needs, Brendan.
0: No, but that's okay. <laughs> my mom cuts my own hair, so I not Oh, you can't, you can't tell them that.
1: Um, So we are here with Melanie. Melanie, say hello to Brendan. Brendan, say hello to Melanie.
0: Hi, Melanie. How are you? Hi, Brendan. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Doing well.
1: Well, Brendan, you probably don't know this, but I think I first met Melanie at the Baltimore convention, and I saw her in like a corner selling shirts, and I was like, that lady looks smart and beautiful and successful, and I want to be with (laughs) her. And then I like chased her for like two years. And now, fast forward, we're friends. That's funny how the stars
0: align, right?
1: One of us was a fangirl and one of us was very persistent. So, you know, Melanie Brendan um, is on the board and he has Williams syndrome. Remind me, Brendan, you weren't diagnosed until you were like 17?
0: Uh, Almost 13.
1: Oh, 13. Okay. Okay. So, Melanie has a daughter and I want her to tell you about her. Her name is Alma.
2: Is Alma,
0: she's not 10 yet, is she? She's 10.
2: Wow. Tell them about her. Oh yeah, so Alma is 10. Um, As I think probably many parents describe their kids with Williams syndrome, she's a real firecracker. She uh, loves to dance and sing. She is in, for the most part, the regular class in school and she has lots of extracurricular activities, some of which are created for people who have disabilities. And somewhere she's part of groups that are more kids who don't identify as having a disability. Um, She does fairly well in situations, but she does have a lot of anxiety, which she struggles with um, more and more every day. Something we're working on. And she has a hard time in school because her reading is really far behind. Mm -hmm. And so we've put a lot of focus on that right now. And we're trying to light a fire under some people to help us make sure that she gets the education she needs. But for the most part, she's a pretty happy-go-lucky kid. Right on.
1: How, okay, briefly, I know the story, but for people who don't know you, can you just share with us how she was diagnosed with Williams syndrome?
2: Absolutely. So Alma was diagnosed with Williams syndrome when she was about five months old. She had been born prematurely, Um, It was sort of an an emergency C-section situation. They'd been following the pregnancy very closely because things weren't working out so well. And the day came where they said, that's it. They didn't expect to deliver a live baby. They expected her to have not made it through the pregnancy on the day of delivery. But there were 10 additional people in the room for the C-section to ensure they had teams that could support whatever situation that was about to happen. But she you know, was lifted out into this world, gave a big squawk, waved a fist around and off she went. She came home from the NICU after about six weeks. It was a long stay, all things considered, since I think she was just right at 34 weeks. Normally the kids were only there for about seven days. We were there for ages. And it's the same story that everybody else has when they had um, the, the babies that were sort of the ones to watch through the pregnancy. She had failure to thrive, she didn't nurse, she didn't, she had lethargy at that time. Um, So she didn't wake up to eat, so we had to set a timer to wake her up to eat and she didn't follow lights, and she didn't follow sounds, and she didn't smile. And right about three months old, they thought that potentially she was deaf and blind, and were uncertain of any other things that were happening. And I took up the computer machine because I've been sitting alone in our house for a long time up in Canada. RSV season is very complicated. And if you have a baby that's come out of the NICU, you're not allowed to leave the house. And no one who teaches kids or has kids is allowed to come over. So, that was basically everyone I knew. So I sat alone in our house for those three months after we got back from the NICU. And one day I was like, that's it. I put everything I could think of into the computer machine. And three potential scenarios came up, two of which were very closely tied to other backgrounds that just weren't. so they seemed less likely and the only other one was Williams syndrome so I called up the pediatrician I said hey we need to have another appointment which is funny because we were there every week anyway so this was like appointment to you in the same week and many people around me said you know you're you're just going stir crazy everything is fine baby is fine you're overreacting Um, but lo and behold she did have Williams syndrome and here we are 10 long years later, and it has been an incredibly, an incredible journey. Um, it's been a really remarkably an eye-opening walk through what it means to be human. I've already made Jen cry and it's only been two minutes. I
1: feel like I cry on every video. I think you had a very sophisticated, savvy, um, super high profile mm-hmm. background. And that would and, and you still to some degree do some of that work, but Tell us a bit about that and what you are doing to support people with
2: disabilities today. Oh my goodness. So for a long time, I worked in advertising, advertising agencies, big old advertising agencies doing TV commercials and wrote as a writer um, and creative director and now strategist somewhat. It sounds really glamorous. Mostly I worked 70 hours a week and every single day I went into work and all my work died and then I had to come up with new work. So let's like also level the playing field that it is not for the faint of heart. But in that journey, Through working in advertising, I spent a lot of time working with a ton of different corporations. And when I had Alma, I started to think a little bit differently about how all of us interact in the world as tiny humans, as large companies, as an education system, and all of these things. And I joined the Canadian Association for Williams Syndrome as um, a provincial director here in Canada at my first... A conference, they call it in Canada. And that was about six weeks after Alma was diagnosed, there was conference. So I flew halfway across the country by myself and there was no provincial director for Ontario. So I raised my hand and said, I guess it's me. And I've been on the board um, ever since now I'm the president. Um, also sounds more glamorous than it is, but I really feel like those of us who have the kind of personality and the desire to be involved in things, you know, take up the reins. So here, here I am. And through this journey, I've met so many families. And I think one of the greatest gifts to me is to be able to see the Williamson of journey at every stage. So when you're a parent, you know, you see all the kids around the same age as your kids, and you might go to convention or conference once every two years or four or six or whenever they happen. But for the most part, you sort of live in your bubble. And I find um, that being part of the organization, I know families who have just barely diagnosed babies who are 10 years behind, and people who have kids in their, you know, their tens and their teens and their 20s and their 30s and their 40s. So you get a really interesting look at what lies ahead. And for me, this became very poignant when I met a family um, that I like very much uh, who lived outside of the Ottawa region, and they had a daughter, and their daughter, was in high school ready to look for a job and they were going to pack up their house and move and they did they packed up their house they left the seniority in their school boards and moved to a different community because they felt she would never work in her community that there wasn't going to be an opportunity to have a job and at the same time i was working on a campaign for a large grocery store chain here who had just become a national sponsor for special olympics another organization i love and through this sponsorship, they were making videos about how they intended to put a person with the disabilities that someone might have if they were in Special Olympics in every single one of their stores. And these, like, they have stores in every town, every city, every community across Canada. So I called this family up. I'm like, why are you moving? You need to go to your local what's-its-what store and put in an application they're going to be hiring. It was a very sobering moment for me to have these two worlds collide when the family said, well, they may be saying that where you're filming, but that just isn't what happens in our town. And I realized that all of these efforts that the corporations were investing in were not translating to jobs in the ground. And I wanted to know why, because I'm ridiculously curious to a fault. And it turns out the people making the plans up in the glass towers and the people who are actually involved in hiring at the store level or the restaurant level or the coffee shop level don't have the same priorities. And all of the programs that existed to bring people to their doors for work weren't doing a great job of making it easy for those people who were doing the hiring to say yes. They would let them in the door, they would let them have work experience, they would have six weeks or three months, but at the end they would take the subsidy money that they were getting for doing it and then they would just pick another person because they didn't feel they had the ability to hire these young people and have them be effective parts of their workforce. And I thought, what if we could build something that sat in the middle, that was a customer facing community built restaurant store, coffee shop that looked and felt like a real brand that looked and felt like, oh, a new franchise opened up in our town that hired people with disabilities between the ages of like 16 and 29 and gave them real on the job work. So they had the autonomy of a paying job. They had the self-determination to want to get the skills and advance with their peers to work with people who didn't have disabilities on a team like they would if they worked at McDonald's or Tim Hortons or Starbucks. To be taught the skills in the way that they learn, understanding learning disabilities and putting that into the process. Talking to the people who would be hiring them to find out the skills they needed to know infuse those into all of our systems and processes and give them up to a year to learn before they move on. If we did that, could we create a pathway to employment that would then allow people to have the skills and the experience and the confidence to move into that community job, be an effective employee, understand the training process, do the job they were already doing, just one sideways step over, Not transferable skills, but parallel skills so that they could succeed in their job after the job with us. Because learning how to work, learning how to work with people, learning how to be responsible, learning how to set goals and learning how to understand if you don't want to do this, what do you want to do? How can you create the pathway to the life you want to have? To me, part of that is being given the opportunity to experience life in one state. And then you can say, hey, you know what? I'd really rather be walking dogs and then understand how to get there. So I think for me, I wanted to create that. And I wanted to create a place where Alma, my daughter, could see people like her thriving at work so that she believed she could grow up and work too. So I made Do Good Donuts and we do that there.
0: That's awesome. We have a, a company called Beans & Co. And what they do is they integrate people with disabilities too and they they were, it's in a coffee shop, shop setting, yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: One of the things I'm super excited about in our donut story is there's a piece of machinery, probably seen them at fairs and stuff where the, the donuts kind of go down the thing or Ducks donuts use them and Krispy Kreme uses them and then they get flipped, and then they keep going. And right now we make our donuts and we our um, employees are involved very much in the process of everything that we do. So in when we're making donuts Our employees measure the ingredients, they're part of the mixing, they're part of the rolling and the cutting, and then the donuts have to be fried and they have to step back because we can't have them fry the donuts. As soon as they're cool, they come back, they glaze the donuts, package the donuts, and at the farmer's markets, they talk to the customers, they ring them up like they are deep learning all the skills. But with this donut machine, Everybody in the process from the baker that's leading the training to the assistant bakers and everyone else also steps back through that process. So they would no longer be excluded from our donut making process because of their disability through that one section, which is really important to me. If if they're going to be part of a process, I want them to be part of every part. Jen's going to cry again. So (laughs) I got the quote for this equipment and it's like the actual machine itself, we could afford, it's in the budget. But then I find out because commercial equipment is weird, right? Like you go to buy the thing and then you find out what it actually costs once they put all the parts that you require to also buy that they don't tell you about. And it was like a lot, like 50k to get this thing into our store. And I thought, screw it. I'm going to write to the company and tell them why I need this to cost less money. So, I track everybody down. I go to email the individuals. And their emails are blocked. They can't get outside emails. So fine. I write my nice email. I send it to sales at Belshaw.com. And Jen worked in food. She knows Bellshaw. Like that's a big company. The next morning, Jen, I got a call from the person who was quoting it for us here. Who said, I, and it was an email first, who said, Hey, like, we need to talk about your quote. We've heard from home office. We need to connect. So I have a consultant that's helping with, with equipment. We get on the phone with the person here in Canada. And he said, so I got a message from home office and um, they got your message. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to go over your head. Like I just I just sent just in case there was like open box or something they'd use for a trade show or something used, like maybe they could help us out. He said, well, we got a call from the CEO. Your email got to the CEO who called us to say, we need to do something about this. So I don't know the exact discount, but I know that we'll save at least $10,000 on this equipment, which when you think about in my first three years, I never had $10,000 from anyone. And right now the CEO at Belshaw is hanging around thinking about do good donuts.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Because I know you like I do. I
1: know you are tenacious as hell and I know that when you believe in something like this like you will find a way um so of course I'm not surprised that you did so fast forward you're opening this well, I guess we're kind yeah. of announcing this in our community here you're opening your storefront when do you project to open
2: we have the space now and I am hoping we're open for the first of September that might be optimistic but we will have cafe and bakery in the space We will be able to make oodles more donuts on our little flippy thing than we do now. We already sell donuts and cookies, but we'll have breakfast items and lunch items. We'll have more baked goods. We will be able to increase our catering orders. Last year, we turned down five orders a week because we didn't have the capacity to do them. We have interest from clients for... Our donut subscriptions, one of our major universities is interested. The corporation that's leasing us the space is interested. The Toronto Maple Leafs are interested for their support staff because we're right around the corner from their um, their rink. And um, we're going to start a mail-order cookie business so people will be able to order cookies to be shipped across the country because it would be great for people across the country to know what Do Good Donuts is. Because the hope, as Jen knows, standing by in the U.S., that by year three, that we can franchise the labs to be out across the country, so that we can spread our rainbow sprinkle joy coast to coast, and ultimately into the U.S. The good old donut goodness, <laughs> good old donut goodness, right? So exciting. Well, like
1: I think, and um, we have talked about before this, you know, Canada and U.S. Sometimes, a lot of times, we. separate entities, even when it comes to like things that we're doing with the WSA, can you, as we wrap up, just briefly share, like now that you're, are you president of COS? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And now that you're spearheading to good donuts and you have this, you know, like um, North American goal, right. To rainbow sprinkle (laughs) everywhere. um, Not just in Canada. How do you see that evolving um, just with like, how can we translate the work you're doing in Canada to work down here
2: and vice versa? I think for me, the things that became most important to me about employment for Alma in the future is that idea of the self-determined future, the idea of being able to have autonomy at work, even if it's supported employment, to have that ability to connect with the colleagues and to connect with the work that she's doing. And I think it's something that is so simple, but I really think it's about belonging. And I think belonging has no borders. And I think that that's what really matters. So I think for all of the families who are in on the employment journey, whether it's Alma um, at, and not on the pre-employment journey, how are we getting her there from here, is to look for opportunities that bring belonging. And that's something that's very important for us at Duke of Donuts. That's why we're a customer facing business. That's why we have corporations that we look to, to say, hey, can, we, can you share what we do to create more belonging with, within your companies? And I think there's a watershed effect that when people see young people with disabilities working, they suddenly realize that more people with disabilities should be working, that there's a, why have I never seen anybody like this working before? And the process to how they get there here in Canada is not great. The employment process is really a process that's created for everybody. And it happens to support people with disabilities, but it's not informed in what that means to be able to provide the right support. So looking for disability specific support for learning disabilities or for communication issues, those are the things that get in the way of belonging. And all of us just want our kids to belong, right? I mean, at the end of the day, I sure like eating donuts, but it has nothing to do with donuts, and everything to do with belonging.
0: She only wanted and feeling accepted. All
2: those yeah, <laughs> just just as you are, it's yeah. enough. All of our kids are enough. I mean, sometimes they need to
1: shut sometimes it down and
2: do what they're told.
1: <laughs> if people want to follow you and this journey, where can they find you?
2: Oh, on Instagram, we're uh, at do underscore good underscore donuts um we're do- at do Good donuts on facebook you can find me and do Good donuts on linkedin um if you happen to have any connections or want to share any experience more work-wise come and find me there um and then obviously you can also follow all of our um cause or canadian association for william syndrome links to see what's happening with uh the william syndrome conversation up here what a ride What a wild ride.
0: So why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves, where you're from, and... My name
3: is Morgan James Starkman, and this is my mom, Joanne.
4: Thank you. And um, we live in California. Yep, we live in the San Francisco Bay area in Northern California. Yep. We're just here trying to do the best we can do, that's all. Same, same. How old are you,
1: Morgan? I am 27 years old. Ooh, that is exciting. And you have Williams syndrome just like my cutie pie uh, Stella, so she's only 12. Mm-hmm. Um can you and your mom just tell us about how you're 27 with Williams syndrome like when you were first diagnosed and like your a little bit about your journey so far?
3: Okay. Um so when I was diagnosed at 22 months old, I was very like I don't know.
4: You mean you don't remember what you were like when you were 22 months old? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so Morgan was almost two years old when oh, she was diagnosed. I was almost 40. two years old. Yeah, almost uh, two years old. And um, I was pregnant almost like two weeks away from delivering my son Max, Max Morgan's brother who is now 25 years old. Yeah, as you can well imagine, it was kind of something that was very, very unexpected because Morgan was born very, very healthy. You're so lucky that she didn't really have any, you know, physical indicators that, you know, something was different or up or... It was basically that Morgan was hitting her milestones, but on a very late end of things, So all of her milestones, you know, when we would take you into the doctor, the doctor would be like, oh, no, she's great. She's going to walk, you know, she'll walk soon. And so I think me being like the mama bear that I was, and I probably had a lot of hormones coursing through me being like nine months pregnant, um, I was like my motherly intuition is telling me something is going on here. And so I kind of pressed the doctor and they said, I think we finally landed on a geneticist after quite a few different doctors that we talked to. And she said, I think I might know what's happening here. She's like, there's a specific test called the fish test and we're going to take it. And, and so then that was when we the test results came back and voila Williams syndrome Williams syndrome ta-da! and so um then we were off to the races with all of the different therapies like yeah. what occupational Occupation, therapy physical therapy, like speech therapy, therapy speech therapy speech therapy all
1: of that all stuff. the fun stuff how has Morgan how has your journey looked with Williams syndrome so you've known about it since you were a wee baby um uh, um how was school how how has been the teen years good now Um, like the the
3: school years were kind of hard for me and you know people didn't like me for who I am and you know all that stuff but then the teen years got by and it's been a it's been still kind
4: of I think it's yeah can I add on to that yeah I think that's very well put I think it's gotten a little bit easier as she's gotten older. What I noticed, it seemed like you know, getting into high school probably got even better. You know, middle school was, I would say, elementary school was probably the most challenging, and then middle school was, was semi challenging. High school got yeah better. a lot better. Yeah,
0: high school for that, me the complete opposite. It was it was very hard for me. I was bullied a lot. You know, I uh, that's when all uh, my because I wasn't diagnosed until I was almost 13. Wow. I was misdiagnosed with ADHD and put on Ritalin first before I was diagnosed with Lone syndrome. But yeah, high school was probably the worst. I lost 25 pounds due to stress. I was in the hospital for five days because I had a, a cardiac arrhythmia and my heart spiked from 40 to 200 on a monitor and so they had to do a cardiac catheterization and all that stuff um, but yeah it's crazy that's really well, hard that's
1: what it's yeah. Like I yeah i was gonna say like it's interesting because i hear a lot from adults that say like the younger years were good and then as they got older it's harder what do you guys attribute to like your opposite experience
4: i think we were in atlanta georgia at the time that she was in elementary school and i felt like she had like a really good program there and then unfortunately we moved back to California and I think our home school wasn't as equipped to like offer Morgan really what she needed and so they were trying to do kind of a full inclusion with her in um, classroom with an aide, and that just didn't you know I think it was kind of yeah it just didn't it wasn't the right program for her and it wasn't until we kind of figured out that we had to transfer to another school and put her in another classroom and then it got better. And then I think it got kind of got progressively better from there. I just think, unfortunately, the homeschool that we were at just didn't have, wasn't equipped with what Morgan needed. And so I think she kind of felt scrutinized, maybe semi-bullied, but definitely judged for sure. Like I think, and I think a lot, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I think it were, was kind of at the hand of teachers that just didn't know what they didn't know and didn't have the, the tools or the support. And, you know, we were kind of on the cusp of this very interesting time when I think, you know, education has gotten a lot different now and there's more variety.
1: Um, Morgan, after school, after high school, like tell us about adulthood and what you're doing now for your job. Okay. So my adulthood, I love my adulthood
3: right now. (laughs) I love it. So much fun. Um, it's nice to help my mom and dad at their hair care company. Um, so it's, it's, I'm just so happy that I get to work for my mom and dad. And I'm so, um, very proud of them. And
1: yeah, you're the director of joy, right? Yeah. Maybe you guys could tell us about like, I, Jess has told me, because I'm friends with Jessica from Outshine Labels, so she has told me you guys have this great story about how InnerSense came to be and how Morgan was a lot of your inspiration. Why don't you share with the audience that story, if you can?
3: Okay, so my mom and dad were hairstylists for a very long time. They, My my mom has been looking at labels and stuff, and like she... Um, <laughs>
4: do you want me to take it from here? Yeah, I do. You want okay. To it? I'll take it from my, um, yeah. So Greg and I have it's been hairstylists like, for a long time. Right. And yeah. then dad got into what he got into sales, sales, and marketing and product and development
3: development for other, hair other, hair care. other care companies. And then, and then what did
4: I do? I still stood behind the chair. Yeah. My mom still stood behind the chair and, and Morgan was diagnosed. I was diagnosed. I kind of, turned to health and started, you know, really recognizing all the chemicals that I had been exposed to and just realized that there were silicones, resins, plastics, synthetic fragrances and things in products that I, you know, had no idea about. So like Morgan said, I became a label reader and then I started purchasing products Hair care products at the health food store because I wanted to, you know, figure out like a better way. But those products didn't work as well as the professional products that I was used to. And so then it started a conversation between my husband and I. And then Greg started doing like all this research and development. And yeah, so that's kind of how InnerSense was born. And the name InnerSense came from uh, Greg and I you know, we were advised in relationship to raising Morgan, like always trust your inner sense. And so we just liked the idea that uh, we wanted to kind of be a company where, well, one of the things I was concerned about when Morgan was diagnosed was that I was gonna be a caregiver the rest of my life. And so realizing that I had already been a caregiver, um, standing behind the chair, caring for my, you know, my customers or my clients, and so I really wanted to be a company that cared for the caregiver or cared for all the stylists that were caring for all the people. So we, um, yeah, so that was part of the whole reason since yeah. came about. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so we launched in 2005, and yep. now here we are in 2023, Two, and it's been amazing, <laughs> so... And we're like an international company now. Oh my God, it's crazy. We're definitely um, seen as the leader in the hair care, you know, clean beauty space as far as hair care is concerned. So yeah, it's been quite a journey for sure. I mean, it's definitely a very grassroots family type of business.
1: So now when did you start you, Morgan, when did you start working for InnerSense? Because the company started in 2005. You were like the little baby thing.
4: Yeah, I think it was probably like around 2020. 2020, yeah, because of COVID. It was like mostly during the pandemic Pandemic. that kind of helped because we were an essential business, we had to continue to operate. And so we were all still going into the office, and Morgan's program was basically virtual. Yeah. And so she decided to come in, and then we started putting her on the phones, calling our salons who obviously weren't able to operate or be in business. But she just would call and kind of just say, hi, I'm checking in. How are you doing? And kind of just be like a, a voice of connection. So yeah. I think people really appreciate it. And Do you want to tell them what we do for um, Williams Syndrome Awareness Month
3: Oh, right yeah. Speaking of Williams Syndrome Awareness Month, <laughs> um, we um, do a thing without chain labels. And um, this month's shirt is Let It
4: Be. So this is our new design for the- Oh yeah, swag, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to get me one of those.
4: But um, you want to tell, tell us why you picked it? And so every every year, Morgan picks a new saying. So do you want to tell-
3: um, So letting them- it be means to like take a chill pill, breathe, relax, let go of like all of the stress, all of the anxieties, all of the fears, all the doubts, all the worries, and just like, you know. Yep. Yeah let it be just let yourself be for a moment you know and just know that everything is a-okay
1: when you get all this money you you sell all these shirts what do you do with the profits donate to the williams syndrome association of course <laughs> that is awesome um you guys do some stuff with inner Sense too for the williams syndrome association right
4: Yes, we do. Yeah, we usually, um, during our season of giving, yes. there's um, a portion of all of our sales go to the Williams Syndrome Association. And then we also, this month at checkout, you can um, direct a percentage of your sales to the Williams Syndrome Association yeah. as well. Like if you buy hair care products, you can purchase products, yeah. but then say that a per- you, know, you can select the Williams Syndrome Association. So a percentage of your purchase goes to the Williams Syndrome Association. So that will be happening this month as well. Yeah. For me personally, the Williams Syndrome Association was like my first point of contact when when Morgan was diagnosed. And I just love any sort of organization that creates community where people can come together Mm -hmm. and connect. And I know how important it's been for Morgan over the years. I mean, we have some very, very longstanding relationships. Very, you will, as you know, I mean, very near and dear people to our hearts. It's almost like our extended family. Like, for instance, we're down here in La Quinta this weekend or this week. And actually, this weekend, we'll be going, driving just about an hour away and going to a pool party with um, some Williams Syndrome adults. So, that are down in the Southern California area and they're doing a party this coming Saturday. So it's, it's pretty important for us to know um, or to support Morgan to connect with other people that have similar situations that she has. And of course, I love connecting with the other parents because we can share stories and ideas. And um, I don't know, I just think we're a very unique and special community. And I think there's a lot of power in community and a lot of power in gathering and sharing information.
1: Um, Morgan, tell everybody a little bit more about yourself. Like when you're not directory directoring of joy and you're not <laughs> syndrome association, what do you like to do?
3: I love hanging out with Callie and Bear, my cute dogs. adorable dogs. I love them so much. I love them because they're so cute and they're sisters. They were born in the same litter. So, I call them my first sisters, <laughs> and I love um, I love going on vacations. Of course, okay, um, we're going to go to Germany in June, which is exciting. Do you like going to Germany? This is going to be like my fifth,
4: probably yeah
3: fifth time going to Germany. So we have some family friends that live in Hamburg, so we're going to go all the way to Hamburg, Germany, and.
4: We also have a distributor over there too yeah. that distributes our products. So, sea
3: faces, they are amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. have you learned German then? I know a little bit of German. My grandpa, Bernie, God bless him, he's in heaven right now, um, yeah. watching over this thing. Uh-huh. Um, um, He taught me how to speak German. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit. I know a little bit of German. <laughs> yeah. Um, What else do I like to do when I'm not at home? at work watch tv it's just like i love watching tv you
4: like youtube too. i love youtube she so, likes yeah. finding funny videos on youtube oh yeah funny videos of yeah. Course. do
0: you listen to music at all
4: i do mm-hmm. yes
3: yeah. what kind i love listening to rock music and Enya, have you ever heard of Enya? She's amazing. She's, she's from Ireland. Uh-huh. I love Enya. Enya she's amazing. Um,
4: what station do we listen to that you like? Oh, 80s on 8. 80s on 8. She is such oh. a big 80s fan. <laughs> she That's loves awesome. 80s music.
0: Yeah. 80, the 80s had a lot of great music. Sure. Yeah.
3: Nice. You play instruments, Morgan? Well, I used to play the flute, with the drums, but not anymore. not anymore right now yeah you used to play the flute yeah and the clarinet well yeah briefly in school (laughs) yeah briefly in school
1: yeah yeah um Stella is playing the flute right now because she's just started middle school and so she got to pick an instrument and long story short it was the flute which is like the hardest instrument ever
4: yeah (laughs) it is
1: but she's She's doing pretty good with it. I'll have to send you some foot videos of her. And if you have any tips, let me know because she's loving it so far. That's cool. Um, so, in her sense, right now, you guys have grown so much from 2005 to where you are today. Like, what is your vision for, for it in the future? Where do you think you oh, guys are going? What?
4: We're actually coming out with hair color this yes. year. Yes. So that's super exciting because we have worked really h- long and hard. like the Long last, and hard the last couple of weeks. The yeah. last couple of weeks, the last couple of years. You <laughs> Sorry. We just came out with a product in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just kidding. <laughs> uh... I love that. But um, yeah, so we're coming out with hair color, so we're very, very excited about that um, because it's going to be there's going to be a component of it that is new technology that we're looking to get patented. Oh yeah, going to be it is the cleanest hair color out there. There's no odor. We're getting a lot of great feedback yes, on lots of lack of um, reaction on the scalp, and it creates beautiful shine. So I'm really proud that we're able to continue to kind of push the wire and up level the whole clean beauty movement through the salon environment because that was really my inspiration and my goal as a stylist and kind of coming to this idea of how many chemicals we're being exposed to on a very regular basis and to be able to offer that to the industry feels like we're it just feels really good feels like we're doing good feels great
1: yeah (laughs) i've got really dry hair i have like and i'm a i'm a i pick my split ends i'm a really bad like split end picker so
4: well you're in a dry climate too though right colorado is a very dry climate so that speaking of which one of the products that i would one of my favorite products here is our sweet spirit leave-in conditioner and what i really love to tell people is they need to layer hydration on because i think people with dry hair they think oh i'm gonna get the like thickest deepest you know uh mask to put on the hair which is great yes. i'm not saying to not do that but it's when you're not using quality conditioner on a regular basis and especially for people that are in dry climates or have thicker coarser you know curlier hair when they're not using hydration like over and over again it would be like not using lotion on your skin and wondering why your skin's being dehydrated right so like something like a sweet spirit leave-in conditioner It's uh, wonderful because it it layers a lightweight amount of hydration on the hair on a very regular basis. It's great to also detangle. So like with somebody like Morgan's hair where it's kind of curlier and has a tendency to be tangly, this product will help to detangle the hair. Yeah. So I should get
1: that, um, yeah, and do I use definitely. a conditioner?
4: Do I use a conditioner with that then, like I do shampoo? Oh yeah, you would use it. You would use a shampoo and conditioner in the shower, hair and bath. then when you yeah, we call our shampoos hair, hair bath. bath. Thank you. And then when you get out, you would um, like just lightly towel dry. Don't like the worst thing you can do for dry hair is put your hair up in that turban, you know, towel, and you know, because all the terry cloth kind of helps uh, to takes the moisture yeah. out of the hair you want to keep the moisture in the hair, and then you want to layer the sweet spirit over the top of it, because then that helps to kind of lock in the moisture and the water into your hair.
1: Okay, and then I use styling products like on top of that, if I was like, you
4: would use styling products on top of that. Joel's like, anything to help grow hair or thicken hair? Well, we did just come out with a um, scalp a scalp treatment kit so we have our pre-wash yep treatment which um, has hyaluronic acid in it and so it okay. helps to kind of um, plump and you know helps the scalp kind of to regenerate and then you use the pre-wash treatment and then you would shampoo that out and then afterwards we have a daily active that has all sorts of nice nutrients of course we're not able to claim that we grow hair sorry joel i can't make those claims but <laughs> definitely your scalp oh, is yeah. kind of like you think about your scalp being like the fertile ground or the soil for the hair to grow so you want to make sure your follic- follicle follicles are yeah. open and circulating and you know just rich with nutrients and hydration in order to produce the best hair oh, possible. Yeah.
3: And then, um, can I tell them about my favorite yeah, product?
4: this is Morgan. This favorite.
3: is my favorite product, <laughs> Quiet Calm Curl Control, baby. So, open okay. it and smell, Tell them what this it smells, smells really smells good. Smells like yeah. Morgan likes all the fragrances.
4: Orange blossom. Orange
3: blossom scent. Oh my god, I love it. So, I use this all the time when I get out of the shower. I um I rake it in my hair, and it just it smells good. Yeah. And just you like
4: let your hair dry naturally. Dry naturally, yeah. yeah. So it just kind of creates like a soft, um, natural curl a
1: random question, maybe you don't have an answer for it, but have you noticed like so with Williams syndrome, the main deletion is, you know, missing the copy of elastin. Do you notice a difference in Morgan's hair versus like all the other hairs in not, the world that you've so t- had? Not the so hair.
4: Much. I would say the, you know, the skin obviously. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. I mean, the skin is definitely a game changer. That like silky, smooth, yeah. soft skin
0: oh, feels but, so uh,
4: good. <laughs> but not so much the hair. That's that's a really good I'll have to kind of think more on that i think i would say her hair feels to me very very typical of all other people's hair mm.
1: you guys are really cute you remind me a lot of me and stella um so this is like i'm go i'm fangirling of your relationship i hope this is what it's
4: like for us when we're oh yeah we're yeah we're two peas in a pod home
0: huh, <laughs> <Yep>. yeah <laughs>
1: You've been listening to The Starry-Eyed Effect, presented by the Williams Syndrome Association. The show is hosted by Jennifer Keaton and Stephanie Karen, and produced by me, Joel Lispman. Theme song by Tommy Barbarella and Mariella Elm. Got a question for Steph and Jen? Email us at podcast at williams Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and maybe it will get featured on a future episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to The Starry Eyed Effect wherever you get your podcast delights.